Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central, and it starts right now. everyone and welcome to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. I'm Brandon Biscabing. I've got a huge show for you guys, huge three hours ahead for you guys. Lots of things to talk about over the last couple of weeks. Uh, haven't been on for a couple of weeks. And before I get into the show and what we're doing this morning, what we're going to be talking about this morning, just wanted to give you guys a little story time and kind of a PSA in the process, um, telling you why I wasn't on over the last couple of weeks. Last week um, was, you know, was planning on coming on, was going to have a shortened show because I didn't have any guests. Uh, And that's kind of fortuitous, actually, for what ended up happening. Uh, One of the outlets in the studio uh, is having some problems. I think it's about to short out or it basically has shorted out. And as I was about to go on, it was funny. I was playing with the with the levels, and every time I moved it, it had a you know a scratching noise. I wonder why that is. I wasn't sure. And then as soon as I go on, 
and and I was playing around with the levels to see if each time I moved it, there was that scratching noise. And I think as a result of me doing that, it completely shorted out the outlet and it created a power surge in the entire play, in the, the entire house. Uh, and as a result, obviously, when there's a power surge, it shuts off the internet, shuts down the Wi-Fi. And so, yeah, that, that's, that's why I, you know, I was about to come on, had the opening playing and everything, and then, boom, it just knocked, knocked me off. And by the time I got back on, it wasn't worth it. Uh, to continue. So that was why I wasn't on last week. The week before that is a little more uh interest a little more uh interesting in terms of what happened when it came to the show itself. But uh a few days prior that Monday, uh I was eating some hibachi, some hibachi shrimp ordered and the the container tipped a little bit and hibachi sauce got on my laptop on my on my keyboard and it completely fried the keyboard so as a result i had to bring it into the shop and have them repair my keyboard and that resulted in me not having a laptop on friday so that was why i wasn't on a couple of weeks ago uh or for the last couple of weeks. Hope you guys enjoyed that little story time at my expense. I'll, I'll laugh at. I mean, I can laugh at it now. It was, it was pretty uh, shocking to me when I first found out that it was completely fried uh, two Tuesdays ago. But yeah, so there, that's that. Uh, today, got a couple of guests coming on at seven thirty. I'll have Robbie Harrison, Emerald Defensive End, coming on. He made a big commitment a couple uh about a week and a half ago. Uh and then at eight thirty I'll have Lou Bejack from the state coming on. But there's a lot of things on the national front to talk about today as well. And as always, if you wanna call in, if you've got anything you wanna talk about in the sports world, be sure to do so. Three two three seven eight four nine six eight one is that number to call that number again. Three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, we'll start off with a little, a few recruiting notes uh, from the last couple of weeks. Lots of guys to go that the recruiting landscape was kind of slow because of the transfer portal and everything. But maybe it wasn't so much that. Maybe it was the fact that now that coaches can see more from these players this year and and can get out to games and all of that. Maybe it was just the fact that they were trying, they were waiting to see how some of these players uh, played in their high school season, gave them a couple of weeks of action uh, before they decided to send out an official offer. So we had a, we had a good few over the last couple of weeks. Miles Kime from Blythewood, was offered by Presbyterian. Gray Leapart from Gilbert, offered by, by Stetson. Trayvon West from Wren was offered by Virginia Tech. Jaheim Lawson from Daniel was offered by Kent State. 
Marky Anderson from Dorman, offered by West Virginia. Raheem Jeter from Spartanburg, offered by Temple. Mazio Bennett from Greenville, offered by Kentucky. Prometheus Franklin from Greenville as well, offered by Delaware State. Josh Sapp from Greenville was offered by Clemson. His father played for Clemson, so that may, you know, that may entice him to become a Tiger. Luke Bracey from Rock Hill, offered by Stetson. Matthew Wilson from Rock Hill, offered by Eastern Kentucky. Elijah Caldwell from Northwestern, offered by Charlotte. Logan Day from South Point, offered by Presbyterian. Xavier McLeod from Camden, offered by Tennessee. Chandler McMaster from Christchurch, offered by Presbyterian. Chris Campbell from Logan Elgin, offered by Charlotte. Brandon Sissy from Lakewood, offered by Buffalo, Eastern Kentucky, and Kentucky. So he got a good, a good couple of offers over the last couple of weeks. Monroe Freeling from Oceanside, offered by Texas A&M. Jonathan Guest from Ridgeview, offered by Presbyterian. Noah Jennings from Westwood, offered by Charlotte. Tashawn Brooks, originally from Dutch Fork, he graduated last year. He's in he's a JUCO he's in JUCO now, but already getting some offers uh, from some Division One programs offered by UMass. Eamon Smalls from Buford, offered by ECU. Darrell DePass, also from Buford, offered by Austin P. Montique Graham from Sumter, offered by Louisville. Elijah Vereen from North Myrtle Beach, offered by Presbyterian. Chandler McCall, also from North Myrtle Beach, offered by Presbyterian. A trifecta of Chiefs got Presbyterian offers uh, a couple of weeks ago. Elijah Vereen, Chandler McCall, and TJ Cox, all offered by the Blue Hose. Uh, on the basketball court, Nick Pringle from Whale Branch continues to get offers. Was offered by Charlotte, West Virginia, Alabama, and Arizona State over the last couple of weeks. And on the women's basketball court, Joyce Edwards from Camden offered by Stanford. Commitments, like I mentioned, Robbie Harrison from Emerald committed to Arizona State. I'll have him on at the bottom of the hour in 20 minutes. Jaleel Skinner, originally from Greer, now at IMG last week, uh, last Friday afternoon, committed to Alabama. Marcus Boston Brinkley from Fort Mill committed to Charlotte. I will have him on next week uh, to talk about his commitment. And on the basketball court, Houston Jones from Dutch Fork committed to Presbyterian. His dad, Brett, also played at Presbyterian, so that Blue Hose connection uh, works out for uh, for them. Also on the basketball court, last week, Julian Phillips, originally from Blythewood, uh, committed to LSU. And on the women's basketball court, Elian Nelson from Laura Richland commit, committed to Austin P. So those are your uh, recruiting notes uh, for this week. Um, and like I mentioned, I'll have... Uh, I'll have um, Robbie Harrison from Emerald coming on at the bottom of the hour. So, with that being said, let's uh, we'll switch gears for the next uh, 20 minutes or so, or well, next 15 minutes or so. Uh, and it is 
start off, we'll go from one extreme to the other, I, I think. I think I'll go, uh, we'll start off with uh, MLB. We'll start off with the playoffs. You know, it is, it's MLB playoff season time now. Uh, we are in the thick of things now. Uh, already into the, the championship series. Well, getting close to starting the championship series. Uh, now with each of the divisional series wrapped up, after last night the Dodgers were able to win in a thriller over the Giants. Uh, but before I get into the divisional round, which I met, I was going to talk about last week, but obviously, uh, you know, technical problems. Let me just bring up a little pet peeve I have. Um, and this is coming, this is coming from a fan of to all those Yankee and St. Louis fans that are listening right now. And I am one of you. I am a Yankee fan. I'll, I'll, I'll say it. Like I've said, ever since this new playoff format has been created, I've said this. And until it changes in one way or another, I will continue to say this. And 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 it's kind of funny actually because there was that threat of there could have been a four-way tie for for the wild for the two the two quote-unquote wild card positions, and that would have made an interesting scenario at least for me in terms of the way I describe this. Because you would have had two play-in games just to get into the play-in game. So it would have been a play-in game for a play-in game. Because this is, that's all I consider the wild card game. It's a play-in game. Because it's a one-off. If it were, if it were a three-game series or, you know, they had it like in the NFL where, you know, you had six teams make it... Um, or a no. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out the math real quick. If you had six teams make it instead of just five, and you know, one wild card, you know, like in the NFL, one wild card team plays one of the lower seeded divisional winners, the other one plays the lower, the other lower seeded divisional winner. And then the two highest seeded divisional winners get get the buy. If you wanted to do it like that and actually make the wild card series, you know, make an actual wild card series, um, then I'd be fine with that. I'd be perfectly fine with that. But if one wild card game, if you lose that game. Karen, and obviously the Yankees aren't going to do it. The the Cardinals aren't going to do it either because of their history. But for a team, you know, let's say like the, the, the Pirates or, you know, I mean, the Brewers actually made it into the playoffs and, are, and you know, we're playing fairly well, but, you know, got beat by Atlanta. But if you're a team like Pittsburgh or like, you know, Milwaukee or, you know, one of the teams that <coughs> give me. One of the teams that aren't normally in contention. 
and and you make it into the wild card game and you lose. And you want to hang up a banner that says, you know, 20, you know, 2021 uh wild card team. First off, I don't think any team would do that anyway. But if you did want to, it, it doesn't work for me. Because you getting into the you know wild card game just to lose that one off game, it's basically a playing. I don't count it as part of the playoffs. If if you make it to the wild card game and then lose, I do not consider you a playoff team. So therefore, the Yankees did not make the playoffs. It's another incredibly disappointing disappointing season for them. Uh, the I mean, hell, the car manager uh, yesterday. So that just proves what making the wild card game really means. They don't count it as making the playoffs. And so, yeah, that's all it is. All it is is just a gimmick to keep more fans engaged for longer. And this year it didn't even matter. Because you had four teams vying for the spots anyway, they, and and there was a chance for the four-way tie. So any of those, any one of those, even with one wild card team, could have made it. Like I said, I think baseball ideally needs to expand. They need to go, you know, they need to go into Charlotte, go into Nashville, make a two make two teams there to give those areas the trifecta or the quadfecta rather and then go and four divisions in each league like in the NFL and make a 16 playoff it's as simple as that but you know I digress you know like I said, Yankees and Cardinals fans, you did not make the playoffs, pure and simple. That That's all I got to say about that. I mean, you wouldn't have made the playoffs in the old system anyway. So in, in multiple respects, I say you did not make the playoffs. Before we take a break, let me go through some of the other, go through the real series, go through the uh, divisional series, and... Uh, I I saw some people talking about it on on Twitter how they don't like the game series you know, you, um you know because of the way it's played and and the pitchers the you know pitching scenarios and all of that. I understand it, but I'm kind of a traditionalist on on this respect. I like the the uh the expansion where you start with a five-game series in the divisional round, and then you go to seven in the championship and, and the World Series. But Tampa Bay and Boston, I'm I'm honestly surprised that Boston was able to win. And, I mean, yeah, Tampa Bay won a game, but, you know, it wasn't a five-game series or anything like that. So Boston won it fairly handily. Not quite a sweep, but, you know, it was it was close. Uh, Boston could make, could theoretically make a run. 
Uh, and I, especially against Houston, I don't know if I, you know, obviously Houston, we know their their history, uh, but I'm curious to see what happens in in that series. But yeah, Boston being Tampa Bay was a little surprise of, of a surprise to me because Tampa Bay was playing so well this year. Houston being Chicago, a bit of a surprise to me, but not quite as big of a surprise. Obviously, Houston has been playing very well this year. Uh, San Francisco and LA, I, again, another one where the wild card team wins over the number one seed, which is a surprise. LA played very well, especially last night, to come from behind and win that game. At the very end. So, you know, kudos to them. They could make a run as well. And then Atlanta beating Milwaukee. Not really all... Well, a little surprising, but not over-the-top surprising. Milwaukee is always one of those teams that, you know... I mean, it's surprising to see them in the playoffs in in the first place. But, you know, they're always a team that always kind of starts off strong and then fades off. And that seems to be what happened here. You know, they just ran out of gas. Uh, looking ahead to the championship series, Boston and Houston, uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know who to pick here. Because on one hand, I could see, you know, Boston's playing very well. They're very hot right now. But at the same time, Houston, you know, I I could see them winning as well. I'm going to actually go with Boston. I think Boston uh, wins it all. Or not wins it all, but, you know, I think Boston makes it into the World Series. Uh, And just – this is another one. This is another tricky one in the NLCS between L.A. and Atlanta. I will say this much, though. I know for a fact that at least a couple of these, I probably, the only one that I think, well, I probably would have picked Houston. And I might have picked, I probably would have picked Atlanta as well to make it to the NLTS. But I sure as hell wouldn't have picked Boston, Boston and L.A. to make it to the championship series if I would have been on last week. Uh, but yeah, Boston and Houston, I'm going to go with Boston and then LA and Houston that, or LA and, uh, and Atlanta. That's another tough one. That that's a tough one to choose. Uh, I don't know who I'm, who I'd go for there. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Atlanta is able to pull it out and win it. So Boston Atlanta in the World Series. And oof, two two big Yankee rivals. Uh, one, one continuously and one of the past um, in the 90s. I'm going to say Atlanta finally. There you go. Hey. All the all you local Atlanta fans, I'm sure there are plenty in in South Carolina, especially here in the Myrtle Beach area, because of 
the Pelicans, not just because they're the closest team, but also because the Pelicans were the uh, Braves affiliate for a while um, back in the day. I'm going to go with Atlanta. I think Atlanta wins it all this year. So there you go. There's my prediction uh, for this uh, for the playoffs uh, this year. Um, one other MLB note. I mentioned that the Cardinals moved on from their manager, uh, but and the Mets are also moving on from Luis Rojas. They said they will not renew his contract yet. Um, I think they had a team option, and they decided to not uh, not use it. So the Mets are going to be looking for a new manager for next year. Uh, the Yankees still don't fully know what they're doing yet, whether they're going to stick with Aaron Boone or if they're going to move on uh, from him this season or for next season. My thought on this, yeah, like, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. I'm not I, – I don't know what to say because on one hand – I could cle- I, I could easily see on, on one hand I understand why they're moving they're thinking about moving on from Aaron Boone because for all the hype and for all of the moves that they've made getting Jer- Giancarlo Stanton you know getting uh, DJ LeMahieu getting you know getting a number of players into that into that team and really trying to build a team that can make a run into the play into the World Series and, and win the twenty eighth World Series for the Yankees, they haven't lived up to it. You know they you know, they'll make the playoffs but then they lose in the first round. And that has been the case for the last few years. And so how long of a leash do you really have with him before you just say, okay, you know, we've given you enough time, either win us a championship or you're gone. And, you know, last year, obviously, you could, um, you know, I was honestly surprised at how many managers and, and head coaches were fired last year after, you know, because of, how the the system was. But yeah, I the only thing about it, the only thing I'm I'm worried that I'd be worried about is who do you get to replace him? I don't really know who you get to replace him that you that really could be a good fit. I mean, may you know, maybe try to bring Derek Jeter in. I don't I don't know. I don't know. But I think they should stick with him at least for one more year, and maybe you know, maybe test maybe test the waters this this off season just to see who is available, and go from there. But I would give him at least one more. I'd just I'd give him one more year to try to do it. So I'll take a quick break. Come back. We'll have Robbie Harrison joining me at the bottom of the hour right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. 
Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central, and as promised, I've got Robbie Harrison joining me. Robbie, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. First off, congrats on the commitment. What made you choose Arizona State? What stood out to you about the program? Uh, I love the, the uh, atmosphere out there. That I feel like they're building something special out there. Um, I love Coach Herman and his staff, and I just feel like that's the best fit for me to get to the next level as a college. You, you mentioned Herm Edwards. What has been your uh, experience with Herm, and, and what was your reaction when you first met him, especially considering his history in the NFL and, and all that? Um, I knew that he was a, a very great guy when I first spoke with him. Um, he was very caring, and um, he's just he's just a, a different type of spirit um, when you get to speak with him. Any uh, any fun stories thus far with uh, with Herm and your interactions with him? Oh no, sir, not yet. Not yet. Obviously, you know it, Arizona State is is a great program, and you know they've you know they've been building something out there, but you know that's. That's a pretty good distance away from South Carolina. Do you or your parents, like, what kind of conversations have you guys had about, you know, 
being that far from home? Oh, uh, my mom. She at first she was skeptical about it. She um she told me that she'll be good with it, and as long as I'm happy out there, as long as I know that's the spot I want to commit to, and and I'm good to be there for four years. She told me go ahead and make my move. Well, that's good. It's always, it's always good to have supportive parents uh, when it comes to that. With your overall com- uh, recruitment, whether it was with Arizona State or, or one of the other schools, any cool or funny experiences or stories that you've had? Uh, when I when I first when I picked up the first when I picked up the Arizona State offer, um. Back then, I didn't I didn't know really what to do, so he had to walk me through the process on how to put it on Twitter and uh, <laughs> so he yeah. Her her Herm Edwards, social media guru. <laughs> oh, it was Coach Barrett that um. That oh okay. That offer. Um, you um looking. At your high school, at your at your senior season this year, team hasn't play, been playing quite as well as I'm sure you would have hoped for uh, in your final year of high school ball. The team should be able to make the playoffs. What what do you guys need to do in order to make sure this team has a has a run in the playoffs? Uh, we, I feel that we just we need to prepare from Monday to Thursday. Well, well, good, very good. And then come out on Friday, and everything we prepared for, we need to put it out in showcases on the field on Friday night. Uh, we just need to stick together, keep our heads up, um, try and win out these next three games and finish second in our region. Um, and I feel like if we do that, we'll have a pretty good run through the playoffs. And then, do you have any idea yet on what you're planning on studying at Arizona State? Yes, sir. Uh, I would be studying criminal justice. Oh, okay. What are you wanting to become a lawyer or a, more of a cop or uh, what? What's the goal? Um, trying to work in federal field. Very, very good. Very good. Well, good luck with everything. Good luck with the rest of the season. Uh, I know you've got a team meeting to get to. Uh, just good luck with everything, and once again, congrats on the uh, commitment to Arizona State. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on here. Yep, of course. Once again, from Emerald, defensive end committed to Arizona State, was hoping to get a few uh, Herm Edwards stories. Uh, you know, he see, he seems like a character. I'm sure. I'm sure. One after a couple of years at uh, at Arizona State, he'll have a few. Uh, he'll have a few for us uh, because, as we know. You play to win the game. Uh, I mean, as a New, as a New Yorker, and uh, you know, I mean, I'm a Giants fan, so you know, it's not. I don't. It's not as painful, but you know, Her, Herm Edwards was the last coach that the Jets had. Well, no, I take that back. Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan was, but Herm Edwards, you know, as a Jets coach, he was, you know, he was decent. He wasn't terrible, but you know, it was, it was still the Jets, you know. But Herm Edwards was always a character when he 
he was the Jets coach, obviously with that quote and all, all of that. And then when he was on ESPN, he was he was always fun as well. So, you know, hey, I I, I wouldn't mind playing for him. But once again, thanks for uh, thanks to Robbie Harris for joining me this morning. Uh, we'll switch gears. Uh, next, we'll we'll do some football talk. Uh, for the next twenty minutes or so before we take a break, and then we'll and then we'll switch gears over to the high school front. Talk about the last couple of weeks of high school high school ball, who's in, who's out, and all of that good stuff uh, as we prepare for Lou Bejack joining me at 8.30. And always, if you want to call in, if you if you guys have any uh, thoughts on anything, be sure to call in. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681 if you guys have any questions. Uh for me, any any thoughts or or anything like that on anything in the world of sports going on right now, and yeah, we're gonna switch over to the uh, for the to uh, the gridiron. We'll talk about NFL first, um, and then we'll and then may, and then maybe try to fit in college as well. First on the NFL side, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Drew Brees broke, or excuse me, Tom Brady broke Drew Brees' uh, NFL record for career passing yards. Not really all that surprising, considering how how long Brady's career has been. And the about it, and and what's funny about it to me when it comes to Brady, and oh, first off, the fact that Brady was able to beat Belichick. And even with Belichick doing, you know, all that he could to beat Brady, it just further solidifies my point that I made last year after Brady won the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, that Brady made Belichick, Belichick did not make Brady. And and until proven wrong with, you know, with Mac Jones... Uh, at the helm uh, in New England. Until Mac Jones can prove otherwise, Tom Brady, you know, yes, Belichick, I'm sure, helped him. But I think Brady would could have been one would have been one of those players. It proves the myth of him being a quarterback. He could play. He could have been drafted anywhere. He could have played anywhere. And he would have won multiple Super Bowls. He's just that special of a talent. He is the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time. Hands down, without a shadow of a doubt at this point. So, once again, congratulations to Tom Brady. Stephon Gilmore, uh, speaking of the Patriots, Stephon Gilmore was waived by the Patriots, then immediately signed by the Panthers. Uh, Should be a good little help for the secondary in Carolina. The Panthers have been playing pretty well. Yes, they had a setback last week. All in all, they've been playing well. And if they continue the way they've been playing, first of all, Sam Darnold is proving that, you know, 
his struggles were as a result of the fact that he was with the Jets uh, instead of anything else. Uh, and that's one of the problems that you, you tend to see with a lot of and I fear that Trevor Lawrence is going to fall into this category. Uh, and hopefully he can, you know, obviously once his rookie contract is up, he can get out of it and move on to a pro, uh, move on to a team that he can actually win with. But a lot of these first round, you know, top draft pick quarterback, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're bust because of themselves. You know, especially in football. Football is a team sport. And I don't care how, you know, you could be Tom Brady. I mean, look at Tom Brady a couple of years ago in his last year with the Patriots. Everyone was thinking he was slowing down because of his struggles. But it wasn't that. It wasn't that he was slowing down. It was that he didn't have anything around him to help him. So, you know, you know, like I said, first off, hopefully Trevor Lawrence can get out of Jacksonville at some point soon and become the quarterback that I'm sure we all know he can be in the NFL because he's not going to be able to do it in Jacksonville. Let's let's just put it out. Let's just say that right now. And then Sam Darnold is basically proving that point that, you know, he was drafted by a bad team with bad management, bad team management, and he struggled as a result. But now that he's on a team that has better team management, you know, uh, is is looking to improve, he's improving. He's playing well. Now, do I think the Panthers can win a Super Bowl this year? Probably not. They probably need a few more pieces around Darnold and McCaffrey and, you know, get a few more pieces in the defensive front, which, you know, Stephon Gilmore helps, obviously. But, you know, that that's that. Uh, but, yeah, um, Panthers not quite Super Bowl ready yet, but they're getting there. I think they'll make a wild card. Probably they're not going to win the South because, you know, Tampa Bay is there. And, you know, Tampa Bay dominated once again last night against the Eagles. But I think they'll make it into the playoffs. Well, see, here's the thing. I want to say the Panthers will make it into the playoffs. Get how strong the NFC West is. I could see them getting, well, granted now there are three wild card teams, so it's a, a little easier to get in, but I could see I <laughs> I don't think this would be possible. I just don't think this is possible. But in some crazy year, I could potentially see like I could potentially see all four NFC West teams making it into the playoffs. That's how strong that division is. But I don't think that will happen here. I do think the Panthers will get in in the wild card. They'll be the one non-West team to make it into the playoffs through the wild card. Now, we unfortunately have to switch gears 
to the elephant in the NFL room right now, one John Gruden. Resigns as Raiders head coach following them finding damning emails. Uh, now, now, granted, you know, well, not granted. Um, this, he was not directly being investigated. These were found through an investigation of the Washington team. Uh, and many are calling out the hypocrisy of how these were found. Uh, many are questioning what else are in these are, are in the emails. Who else may be talking like this? Uh, the NFL aren't releasing any other emails. You know, does Dan Snyder have any dirt on him? Obviously, this is initially going after him. But a lot of people are calling out the the fact that, you know, the coach is becoming, you know, the, the scapegoat as a way to try to, you know, pull the pull the rug out from under under people and, you know, distract people from the real story, which is the things that were going on with the Washington team. Uh I don't think that'll happen. I think we will get to a point where they will have consequences. But this is just this is not a good look for the NFL. For those of you who may not be have been paying attention all that much, John Gruden was found on uh through emails to make multiple derogatory remarks uh about various people using racial slurs, using uh homophobic slurs, using misogynistic uh terminology. All of all of that good stuff. Um he did release a statement saying that he never meant to hurt anyone. Really? I mean, okay, yeah, you don't mean to hurt any well, but here's the thing, the way he was talking in the emails, like he called uh I think he called uh Roger Goodell like either the B word or um I I forget exactly what terminology he used, but I know he targeted Roger Goodell, he targeted a few other people, he targeted former NFLPA uh uh executive uh Demora Smith talking about his his lips which, you know, Demora Smith is black, you know, yeah. Uh they, you know, they sometimes can have big lips, okay? Who, you know, but, you know, that's not something that you're supposed to say in a derogatory way. Um, you know, luckily, I mean, of course you're going to get some who are going to defend this, call this cancel, cancel culture and all of that and whatnot. But here's my thought on the matter. And whether whether you're a head coach or you're a broadcaster or or a celebrity of some kind, we're in the public eye. And, and a lot of people are talking about how, oh, John Green wasn't in, a part of the NFL at the time. He was with ESPN at the time. I don't care. I don't care. Because 
you're still a public figure. There are different rules. And, and when you get into a business that you are in the public eye, you understand that there are different rules that you must abide by. You can't just you, – you have to have a much stronger filter if you are in the public eye than a normal person would have. You can't just be talking – about these sort, you know, you can't you can't be using that sort of language because here's the thing too, and and this is what I said I I meant I because this reminds me of you know and luckily there weren't too many people defending him. A lot of people think his career is completely over, which I would agree with, but. I'm going to compare it to the whole Tom Brenneman thing where he used a homophobic slur during like during a commercial break, but it was caught on MLB.TV coming back from a break during a Reds game. And he was immediately, you know, canned and everything. And people are trying to say, oh, he's, you know, he's served his time. He, He deserves to come back. Here's the thing. For every Tom Brenneman or I forget who the Hornets the Hornets broadcaster was that was caught I think it was an accident if I remember correctly. Um but at but at the same time still not a good look. Um using the N word on Twitter by accident instead of nuggets. Um, you know what? You know whether it's that or or this whole situation with John Gruden. How many people in those industries? I'll, I'll I'll say when it comes to broadcasting, I'll put myself on this list. How many people would absolutely kill to have the opportunities that the that these three have had? And how many of those people who those people who would kill? To have those opportunities, even if they weren't in the public spotlight, wouldn't even dream of using those terms. I know I wouldn't. I mean, I might say it, you know, as a joke around friends or something like that, but not in the not in the way that they did. You can tell the difference, but how? And, and and even then, you know, even if I was talking to someone, you know, I mean, I wouldn't use it in in public or anything like that. You know, that like that's the difference. You know, even if you are, you know, which Brenneman claimed he was, he was talking to his uh, producer, which you know, apparently they're friends and whatnot. But even then. Even if you think you're off the air, that's that's rule number one in broadcasting. Assume every mic is hot. So, and I mean, here's the unfortunate thing, though, when it comes to Gruden. 
And and that's why and this is why a lot of people are calling it out and saying, Hey, you know, who who else who else is is involved with this? Uh you know, if it wasn't for the investigation to into the Washington football team, we might not have found out about any of this. And John Green would have just kept on going, you know, and because it doesn't seem, and a lot of people, and people are calling out about the fact that this was ten years ago and all of that. Then I'd give you the benefit of the doubt. But ten years ago, things were changing then already, you know. And the the terms that he was using, yes, maybe it was being used a little bit more often back then, but still, people kind of understood times were changing at that point. Slowly, not quite to the level that it was over the last few years. But slowly. But so, but like I was saying, how many people, and I'll say myself included when it comes to the broadcasting stuff, would absolutely kill for those opportunities and would never even dream of using those sort of language? That is why I have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to those sorts of things. Because those opportunities are, you know, once in a lifetime and, you know, you don't squander those opportunities by being stupid. Simple as that. I don't care, you know, I mean, people shouldn't be using it in in private conversation anyway, but that's something that you can't control, you know. Yeah, if a family member or something uses it and you don't like it, you know, you speak up, obviously. But that's something you can't, when you're in the public eye, you just don't use that sort of language in in the public domain. Whether it's email, whether it's on the air, whether it's, you know, when you're out in public, you know, what have you. Everything will get found out at some point in this day and age, whether it's, you know, obviously on a broadcast, as soon as someone hears something, they're going to call you out on it. But even outside of that, you know, emails will get discovered somehow. You know, even if you're in public, someone will record you if they recognize you. When you're in the public eye, you need to really be careful. And some people would say, oh, you're, you know, walking on eggshells, all that. No, you're not. Just be a decent human. How hard is that to really do? I know it it shouldn't be hard. Unfortunately, for a lot of people, it seems to be hard. But it shouldn't be. So that's my thought on all of that. John Gruen is done. His career is over. Simple as that. As it should be. So I'll take a quick break, come right back. Uh, We'll switch gears to high school, talk about high school sports uh, for the next half hour before Lou Bedek from the state joins me at the bottom of the hour. And then uh, got a few other things to get through uh, in the 
final hour. We'll get through college at that point as well. So be sure to stick to stay tuned right here to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back as we switch gears over to the high school side of things. And with with the season really starting to progress and everything, luckily, uh, and with us being in region play, the the and and there's a there's a number of reasons. I think I mentioned I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, where you know between the fact that students are in school now and they've been in school for a while, that main wave. Um, has been gone and and I don't know if you guys saw uh I saw a couple of days ago or maybe a week ago or so uh an article I think it was on the state that DHEC says that they think we're not in the clear but that the the worst of it is over now that the largest waves are are over. You know, we may have a few smaller waves of COVID, but for the most part, um, we're we're starting to get back to normal, which is good, which is very good. Um, only one game canceled this week, and not even canceled. Bishop England and Battery Creek uh, was postponed. They are going to try to play it at some point at a later date. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Big news a couple of weeks ago here on the PD. Lenora Sellers, uh, the standout quarterback for South Florence, who was dominating Region 6-4A, uh, was injured in a game against uh, North Merle Beach a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he was He was seen wearing a sling on his throwing shoulder after the injury. Uh, undisclosed injury. Drew Marlowe just said he hopes to have him back sometime this season, but isn't certain of it. Says it's a week-to-week process to see, you know, on a week-to-week basis where he is. So, best of luck to him. You know, getting back on the field. Um, you know, still, still only a junior. Uh, so he still has his senior year ahead of him. But, you know, already committed to Virginia, you know, would love to. Well, see, that's the good thing. I will say this about Seller's injury. And, and if, if you're listening or if anyone knows Lenoris, um, tell him this. First off, be thankful that it happened this season. You know, obviously, obviously you don't like losing any time. But at least you're not losing your senior year, like some players have. Um, that's the first thing. And then the second is be thankful that you've already committed to a school and you've al- you already had those offers instead of having to fight for the offers, having to prove yourself for those offers and – now the injury sets you back. So, unfortunate unfortunate for him, and I would say more so unfortunate for the Bruins because they were playing very well um, prior to this injury. They were, you know, they they were playing, um, you know, they, they were playing very well. I don't know if they would have quite, 
made it, um, you know, I don't know if they would have quite had enough to win a state title or anything. They're six and one right now. They're still undefeated in region play, which is, which is very good. Uh, But they were putting up monster numbers. And you know their their backup has been playing respectively, um, but I don't know if he has enough to quite bring them to a state title or anything like that. Which again, I don't know if they would have had enough to win it all this year, or at least make it to a state title this year. But they certainly had the opportunity to. And with Sellers there, he gave you know he obviously gives you the best opportunity. But best of luck for him getting back on the field. Uh, the one big story that has it, it's been going on for the last couple of years. It's been a big deal every year at the beginning of the of the year. Um, and I will say this much, and I'm going to ask Lou about this when he comes on at the bottom of the air. But while everyone talks about how big it is and and how much of an issue it's going to be, and yes, there have been some questionable calls and whatnot, but in terms of moving games around as a result of the ref shortage, there hasn't really, at least to my knowledge, obviously I don't know every team, you know, who's getting asked to move games and whatnot. Obviously, there are some games being moved to Thursdays or to Saturdays or to Mondays. But for the most part, it's not as widespread as as a lot of people made it out to be. And a lot of people thought it would be at the beginning of the year. Now, obviously, you know, in the beginning of the season, it was partially due to, you know, uh, cancellations, you know, that lessened the load. I think with with how people were talking about it, that there would have been more games being forced to be moved. And at least to my knowledge, based on how I've noticed it, there really hasn't been. But Scott Iceberg uh, down in Charleston did a feature on the ref shortage uh, last week. And, uh, I'm, you know, it's going to be an interesting question to ask Lou uh, how the league has been working on that and what their success rate has been and whatnot. And, and, and what coaches have been saying about it, because, you know, obviously you don't want to, you know, rail in on refs, especially right now where there is a ref shortage and everything, but there have been a few, at least what I've seen, not nothing serious, nothing major, but there have been a few questionable placements of balls or questionable calls um, in some of the games that I've seen uh, throughout this season. Uh, But, you know, that's, you know, I don't know if that's an experience or, or what. So that's a, that's a question that I'll ask Lou as well uh, when he comes on in about 20 minutes. Quick recap. From the last couple of weeks, week five, uh, North Merrill Beach lost to South Florence. That was a huge loss. That was a surprising loss. That was a game that Sellers went out, yet South Florence was still able to hang on. 
Um, so that was a good win for them. Greek, great collegiate, almost pulled off another upset a couple of weeks ago. Barely missing a 47-yard field goal to tie the game at the end of regulation. Came within inches of sending that to overtime. That just shows how strong great collegiate is. And then uh, Fort Dorchester just barely was able to hang on to beat Myrtle Beach, 31 to 27. So, you know, yeah, some interesting games a couple of weeks ago. Um, well, three weeks ago now. Week six, St. James beat Conway 15-13. St. James has been on a roll this year. Uh, they've already clinched a spot in the in the playoffs. Uh, we'll talk we'll talk playoff picture in a little bit. Um, lots of teams punching their tickets, whether winning the region or uh, or just punching their playoff ticket over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Lexington beat River Bluff 21-20. That was a good game. Um, week 7, Burns dominated Riverside. And, uh, and it's kind of crazy. Um, and I saw this... Um, I saw this a couple of weeks ago, uh, or I saw this a couple of days ago, rather, when the polls came out for this week, uh, that people were surprised that Riverside was still receiving votes after that big of a loss last week. Um, Strom Thurmond beat Brooklyn Casey 17-7. Calhoun County beat Ridge Spring Manetta 30-28. to uh, DJ Black uh, broke Debo Samuel's single-game receiving yard record at Chapman last week. And uh, a, a nice gesture, a cool gesture. Debo flying back out here, uh, bringing Black a signed 49ers jersey of his. Debo Samuel, obviously, uh, with um, with the 49ers now. Uh, and then finally, Carolina Forest over the last couple of weeks have had a very up-and-down week, or up-and-down season over the last couple of weeks. Lost to Conway three weeks ago uh, at, at, Con- or at uh, Carolina Forest. And it looked like Carolina Forest was in danger of potentially missing out on the playoffs if they didn't get their act together. Had the bye week, but then came back strong last week, being being Conway twenty-seven to seven. And you have to wonder, you know, because he's mentioned this before. Mark Morris has that he uses the non-region schedule as essentially exhibition games as, you know, practice um, as a preseason because they don't count towards the playoffs. You have to wonder if knowing that they were going to play each other in two weeks, I think coach, I think Mark Morris held some things back uh, from the playbook in the first matchup. Now, what also didn't help was the fact that, the Panthers were down a few men due to uh, due to quarantine. So that certainly didn't help them. They were almost at 100% last week. This week they, they face off against Sumter in, their, in that second matchup, which that's going to be 
a very important matchup. This this game I could see now you know, Saint James may have something to say about it. But I could see this game being the determining factor to see who wins Region Six Five A this year. Do I think Carolina Forest can pull off the upset? Probably not. Game is certainly going to be closer than the first one was, than the first matchup was in Sumter. And not to mention, Carolina Forest has home field advantage. So it's going to be a very fun matchup tonight. I'll have all the action for you on SHN Sports, shnsports.com slash Carolina, if you want to listen to that game tonight. Uh, Speaking of the playoff picture, Let's go through a couple of things with the playoff picture. Lower Richland uh, wins, won their region title, as did Camden. Uh, going through some of the, uh, going through some of the uh, standings right now. Five uh, A, not not much movement in terms of, you know, uh, region winners since with every team being, uh, every region being five teams. Region play just started a couple of weeks ago uh, for 5A. And region one, TL Hanna probably has that one on lock, still undefeated. Hillcrest also is undefeated in region play. Um, those two, I think, are pretty much the who will make. You know, those two will be fighting for who will be the the uh, region winner in that one. Probably that game between those two uh, will determine who uh, who wins. Uh, who who wins? This week. Um, let me actually see. When do those team those two face off? Hannah and Hillcrest face off on the last week. So, in week 10. So, that should be a... That, that's definitely going to be one that, you know... That game's going to determine who makes it, uh, who who's the region champion. Uh, region two, probably Spartanburg and Dorman are probably going to be the uh, the two teams that are going to be determining who uh, who wins uh, who wins that region. Um, they actually play. Oh, no, excuse me, Dorman and Burns plays tonight, which that could be an interesting game tonight uh, between those two. Region 3, probably, this is going to be an interesting one because Nation Ford is 2-0 and right now uh, in Region 3. Uh, but I don't know if Nation Ford has, you know, they're they're certainly not getting much respect from the pollsters at this point not even receiving any votes. Uh, we'll go through the rankings in, in just a little bit. But, uh, you know, they're 2-0 and right now in the region. But, you know, Gaffney, I think, is still the odds-on favorite in, in that region. Uh, 
they play tonight. This that game tonight between Nationport and Gaffney will pretty much determine the fate of both of them. Now both of them almost will almost will almost pretty much guarantee at this point win make it into the playoffs. But who gets the region title? I think the region title may be determined tonight. Now Clover obviously may have something to say about that as well. But I could see that game tonight between Nation Four and Gaffney being the determining factor. Region four, pretty much Northwestern and Spring Valley and then everyone else. Uh Northwestern and Spring Valley, they play tonight as well. That could be a fun game. A couple of big matchups tonight that term I think will determine some region champions tonight. Not officially. But unofficially, I think you could basically mark it off as, uh, you know, whoever wins that matchup wins wins the region. Region 5, it's probably Dutch Forks to lose. Um, but, you know, who, who knows? You know, maybe Lexington pulls off a shocker. Uh, do I think it happens? Probably not. They face off week nine. They face off next week. Uh, do I, do I think they're gonna, they're gonna pull it off? Probably not, but who knows? Uh, Sumter and, uh, or region six, Sumter and Carolina Forest at one and a, well, Sumter at two and oh, Carolina Forest at one and oh, um, I think Sockesty is also at one and zero. So, um, but yeah, that like I mentioned before, I think the Sumter versus Carolina Forest game tonight will determine the uh, the region champion. Actually, Sumter is at one and zero. Carolina Forest is also at one and zero. St. James and Sockesty are both at one and one. But like I said, I think the Sumter and Carolina Forest game tonight will determine who who win the Region 6. Region 7, Cane Bay and Goose Creek, I believe those two play tonight as well. Yes, they did. Cane Bay and Goose Creek play tonight. I think that game probably determines who the winner of that region is. I think Goose Creek probably wins that game. Uh, and then Region 8. Kind of, kind of um, wide open there in 5A. West Ashley, Fort Dorchester, and Somerville are all uh, undefeated. There, the three of those have pretty much clinched up a playoff spot, but that will be the determining factor to see who who wins it all. I think Fort Dorchester is the odds-on favorite. I mean, they're number two in the state in the rankings. Barring some huge collapse, I think they're going to win win that region. In 4A, Region 1, Westside, barring something crazy, I think they probably have this one just about locked up. Uh, region 2, once again, a big battle between Greenville and Greenwood. That's gonna That rivalry game probably will determine the region champion this year once again. 
Uh, Greer not doing nearly as well as they did last year. Uh, not surprising with the pieces that they lost. Um, Region 3, Southport, South Point and York uh, look to be the teams to beat in that region. Who who will win the championship? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, region 4, AC Floor and Irmo look to be the two that will, you know, they're going to be fighting it out to see who who wins uh, that region. Uh, not surprising with how AC Floor is the defending state champions. Region 5 uh, looks like it's going to be South Aiken and North Augusta to fight that one out. Region 6. Region 6 is kind of wide open still to an extent. But looks like it's more than likely going to be either South Florence or Myrtle Beach, and I think it's Myrtle Beach at this point. I think I, I think you can pretty much chalk this one up to Myrtle Beach already, just simply because of the Lenora Sellers injury. And region eight, uh, or excuse me, Region Seven, uh, it's Buford and May River who are the two uh, top, who are the two top contenders. In three A. Daniel and Wren, well, Daniel Wren and Belton on their path are still technically uh, chill uh, contenders. So, so that could be a fun uh, region to watch. In region Paraville and Southside, uh, the front runners there. Region three, Clinton and Chapman. Uh, are the two to determine. Uh, region 4, like I mentioned earlier, Lower Richland has already clinched uh, the region title. Gilbert and Strom Thurmond fighting it out. Uh, surprising that Brooklyn and Casey, they were playing so well at the beginning of the season and looked like they were going to be the odds-on favorite. Uh, but they've they've had some issues since, and uh looks like Gilbert and Strom Thurmond are going to be the two front runners, especially after Strom Thurmond's win last week over Brooklyn Casey. Region 6, uh, Camden has clinched that one already. Region 7, uh, I believe Dylan has either clinched, yeah, I believe they have clinched the uh, region title already. Uh, but if they haven't, they, they're about to this week. And then Region 8, Hanahan and Oceanside are battling it out uh, to see who wins that one. Kind of surprising that Oceanside has three losses overall already. Uh, granted, they had a very tough non-region schedule. But still, they're, they have not been as good as many people thought. In 2A, Region 1, uh, while it's not officially over, I think Abbeville probably has this one on lock. Christchurch still in the hunt, uh, so that game probably will determine uh, who wins that region. Uh, St. Joseph's and Landrum uh, battling it out. Region 3, still up for grabs. you got Chesterfield. 
Andrew Jackson and Sherrod all there. Region 4, Great Collegiate and Saluda uh, are the teams to determine that one. Region 5, Silver Bluff and Barnwell will determine uh, are the teams to beat. That game should determine who wins the region. Uh, region 6, still up in the air. Timberland, Philip Simmons, and Woodland all undefeated in region play still. Probably Timberland's going to win it, but I think that t- the Timberland-Philip Simmons game is going to be the one to determine that one. And then finally, uh, Region 7, Marion, I believe, if they haven't clinched the, the region yet, they're close to it. And then finally, in 1A, uh, Region 1, Dixie and Southside Christian battling it out. That that could be a good game between those two. Uh, region 2, Lamar and C.A. Johnson. Uh, that Those two are the teams to beat in that region. Region 3, Calhoun County. Probably, I don't think they've quite locked it up, but they're close to locking the region title up. Uh, they'd have to basically beat Rich Spring Moneta and, uh, and that would do it. Region 4, uh, Carver's Bay and East Clarendon battling for the title. Uh, region 5, Green Sea Floyds and... Well, Green Sea Floyds actually got some help last night uh, because Hannah Pamplinko uh went down last night to Johnsonville. And so that gives uh, Green Sea Floyd sole possession of first place, which means when as long as Green Sea Floyd can beat Hannah Pamplinko, I think they pretty much lock it up. Region 7, Bamberg Hart has already clinched the region title, beating everyone. Everyone else in that region is 0-1. Bamberg Earhart's 4-0. No one else has played anyone else, which is weird. I don't know how that happened. Maybe some issues. I, I don't know. That It's interesting. And then Region 7, Baptist Hill probably just about has it locked up uh, there. So there's your region standings and your region look. Uh couple of weeks. I'll take a quick break and then come right back. We'll have Lou Bajak from the state joining me at the bottom of the hour when we return right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Where it began I can't begin to know him, but then I know it's growing strong. Wasn't the spring, and spring became the summer, who'd have believed you'd come along? Touching hands 
reaching out, touching me, touching you. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. And as promised, I've got Lou Bejack from the state joining me. Lou, good morning. Morning, good morning, Brandon. How you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Hope you uh, have had some uh, good times. Your your Steelers are not playing terrible, but not great either. <laughs> no, but they get they get Geno Smith today or on yes, Sunday, so maybe you can. They can get yeah, to 500 and uh, get, go from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we get on to this week's games, uh, Scott Eisberg did a feature on the referee shortage last week, and this has obviously been an issue over the past couple of years. What's the latest on how the league's effort been to get more official? How's it been going, and what has the league been doing to try to entice people to join the officiating crew? I mean, they, the whole uh, National Federation of High Schools, I mean, they, it's been a national, a nationwide uh, effort and search, and they've just been promoting it and trying to get new new blood and new new people to join and uh, referee high school and middle school and uh, JV and games. And, I mean, it's going to be a slow process because they, they lost a lot of people 
either because of age and COVID and that. So, I mean, they're just doing the best uh, they they can to uh, try and get new officials. And I mean, they're not going to be an overnight uh, overnight uh, done overnight. Uh, it's going to take a couple years to try and build up and get more guys to uh, and uh, women to uh, referee games. What have coaches been saying about it and how it's been affecting the game? I mean, they haven't said anything. They don't, I mean, I, I don't really think they're paying attention. I mean, I guess, I mean, if the guys are making bad calls, I mean, the only thing you'll see sometimes, I mean, it really hasn't affected things at, at all. I mean, except some games on Thursdays and Saturdays for uh, games uh, because of the shortage and that, but they, they really haven't said anything about it. We're into the heart of region play now with some teams already punching their ticket uh, to the playoffs and region titles. Um, clinched their region, um, but what are the teams that have either clinched their region or punched their ticket into the playoffs for, thus far? Uh, Camden and Lower Richland are the only two here. A few other teams can uh, tonight, but uh, Camden and Lower Richland won their region championships last week, and uh, actually this is the last week, I think, uh, region play for their region, so they'll have either two weeks off or they'll um, they're, they're, both teams are going to try to find at least one game uh, so they won't go two weeks before, before playing the playoff game. What... Um... Are there any uh, are there any games tonight that could either clinch playoff spots or uh, clinch uh, division or region titles? In our area, Saluda and Great Collegiate uh, three region three two a pretty much, uh, especially if um, especially if Saluda would win because Gray still has to play Newberry um, and Saluda already beat Newberry and the remaining games on their schedule were not that good. Uh, Irmo and um, AC Floor, pretty much for all intents and purposes, for the region title, each team got two two games left, but the, against the rest of the region is really weak. Um, Gilbert could, well, Gilbert couldn't clinch a region championship, but, I mean, they, they could, um, they, they would have to beat Strom next week, but if they win tonight, that, that will help them. And then Spring Valley and Northwestern is for the region title tonight in Region 4, 5A. So the winner is the region champ uh, with one game. Spring Valley only has one game left. And um, I think Northwestern uh, does as well. So that it's basically for the region title tonight. With us pretty much getting close to the end of the season, definitely past the halfway point, what – have there been any teams that have been either big surprises or big disappointments for you uh, in the area? I think Ridgeview's kind of been a disappointment. I thought they would contend maybe for the upper state championship in 5A, but um, growing two, they played the two toughest teams in the region in Northwestern and uh, Spring Valley. They almost beat Spring Valley last week. Uh, they could finish finish two and two in the region if they beat uh Rock Hill and Blythewood uh, the next not next week and then the week after. Um, that's kind of been a disappointment. Lower Richmond's kind of been a surprise. I mean, uh, the way I mean uh, they struggled last year and then um, I think they 
and then they win the region title. They have a new coach, and I think they're really gelling and playing well. Lexington's also been a big surprise. Uh, they lost the opening week against West Florence, and they've won every game since. Uh, they had a bye week this week, and then they'll play for the region title against Dutch Fork next week, which is going to be a tall task, but at least they're in a the position. They were winless last year and get to play for a region title uh, this year. So uh, it's a pr- pretty good accomplishment, and they've had some injuries and everything. They lost their uh, leading running back uh, a few weeks ago to season-ending uh, wrist injury. So, yeah, I think that's uh, Coach Woolbright's done one of the best jobs in the area. Where are you headed tonight? Uh, I'm going to go to Irma and AC Flora, which should be a good one. Um, Flora's obviously number one in the state. Irma, um they're trying to build the program up under Coach Brand, and this is a so it's a huge moment. I mean, last year they they can't, the measuring stick they weren't even close uh, to Florida last year. I think it was 44 to 13. This year they they've definitely a lot better on offense than that. And Florida, their defense while their defense was great, uh, their offense has struggled at times. So it should be a, a pretty good ball game tonight. What what does Irmo have to do tonight if they want to? pull off the upset. You got to stop Flora's running game for sure. Um, Flora likes to pound it at you with Markel Townsend and uh, freshman Aiden Mosley. Um, and uh, they, they got to stay away from the big turnovers. Um, I mean, Irmo's defense is really good. Malik Hayward, I think, has six interceptions. So Isaiah Whiteside ha- has to do a good job of decision-making. And uh, um, I think to try to establish a run. Um, as well, so they can take some time off the clock. So uh, I think they got a shot. Um, I think Flores is still the better team, but you never know. It's on the road, and it's a it's a big one for uh, Flora, who's I mean they struggled a little bit early with the offense, but things have gotten together. But they're still not where they were last year. But I, I think it's, it'll be a big test for uh, that offense uh, under Phillips Daniels and see how he does in a really big game tonight. Yeah, that's going to be probably one of the best games in the state tonight. Uh, that I, I'm looking forward to seeing your uh, your story on that later tonight. Uh, ha- have fun over at uh, is it at Flora or at Irmo tonight? No, it's at Irmo. Yeah, so ha- have fun over at Irmo tonight, and uh, thanks for joining me this morning. All right, Brandon, appreciate it. Yep. Once again, Lou Bejak from the state. Always fun talking to him, friend of the show. And yeah, yeah, that year, that like I mentioned earlier, that that Irmo uh, AC Flora game, pretty much like you mentioned, pretty much will determine who wins uh, Region Four Four A. Or excuse me, I think. Uh, yeah, Region 4, 4A. Uh, but, yeah, so oh, uh, real quick before um, we'll switch gears back to the national talk uh, for the last hour. Before we get into that, go through a couple of uh, games for this week to check out as well as um, as well as next week. Or, excuse me. As well as the game from last night, rather. We'll start with last night's game. Um, Chesterfield beat Central 48-20. to 
not really all that surprising there. Um, you know, Chesterfield um, should probably uh, win that region, uh, although they do need to obviously contend with both Andrew Jackson and Shaw uh, as well. Uh, Lee Central beat Latta 36-7. to That was another game that, you know, all that big of a surprise with how Latta's been playing this year. Uh, but, you know, that don't think Lee Central quite has enough to win the entire region. Marion probably has that one on lock. But it, it's still a good win for Lee Central. And then finally, like I mentioned earlier, Johnsonville beat Hannah Pamplinko 60-52. to That was a... I mean, I was just following it on Twitter, and it was a crazy game back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, you know, obviously 60-52, to lots of scoring. If you were at that game, you you saw a classic last night, uh, especially on the offensive front. You certainly saw a thriller last night. And it's a big win over in Region 5-1A because now it leaves the door open for Green Sea Floyd to once again win the region uh, because now Hannah Pamplinko is 1-1 one one in the region. So that could be a big game. And, and not to mention, you know, Johnsonville was down near the bottom, was at the bottom of the region. That was only their second win of the season. They were 0-2 going into that game in the region. 1-3 overall. So that is a big game in that region. That is a big score. Games to watch tonight, uh, Silver Bluff and Barnwell, that uh, – that should be a good game. Um, like I mentioned, that game could uh, that that game actually no that game almost assuredly will determine the winner of Region Five Two A. Um, Chapman and Clinton that that should that should be a fun game. Um, I could see that one uh, that one I could see uh potentially determining that region. Actually no, that will almost yeah, that one almost will cert- assuredly uh, but with both Chapman and Clinton zero and two, or excuse me, two and zero, uh, that one almost certainly will determine the winner of Region Three Three A. Northwestern Spring Valley again, another one that will pretty much will that will determine the region champion, and then uh, against. Um, Brooklyn Casey against uh, Gilbert tonight. That one, not quite. Now, if Gilbert wins it, it may. Well, actually, no, I take that back. This one can't determine a region champion 
because Gilbert wins, they still have to face Strom Thurmond, um, who just beat Brooklyn Casey last night, or excuse me, last week. Uh, but it may determine who, you know, it may determine how Brooklyn Casey looks coming out of this one because, like I mentioned, you know, uh, Brooklyn Casey after last week's loss, they, they're starting to go on a bit of a slide. And they could really use that bounce back win over Gilbert tonight. If Brooklyn Casey wins this one, it's almost a sure. It, it basically de- determines that Thurman is going to win the, the region. Although Gilbert could then beat them and, and claim the title. Uh, and then finally, Sumter at Carolina Forest. This one, as well, unofficially, I would say, probably determines who the region champion in Region 6-5A is. Looking at the media poll real quick, uh, in 5A, Dutch Fork, surprise, surprise, at 1. Fort Dorchester at 2. Gaffney at 3. Teal Hannah at 4. Northwestern at 5. Spring Valley jumps up from 7 to 6. Sumter jumps up from 8 to 7. Dorman drops from 6 to 8. Lexington jumped up from 10 to 9. Cane Bay and Hillcrest both jumped up from not being ranked to tied for 10th. Riverside drops down from 9 into the receiving votes. Oakland receiving votes, Chapin, Burns, Spartanburg, and Somerville. In 4A, AC Floor at 1 with 17 first place votes. Greenville at 2. Myrtle Beach at 3. South Point at 4. Greenwood at 5. South Florence at 6. Buford at 7. York at 8. West Florence at 9. And Irmo jumps up from not being ranked to 10th. Also receiving votes. Indian Land. May River, North Merle Beach, South Aiken, and Greer. In 3A, Daniel at 1 with 17 first place votes. Dylan at 2, Clinton at 3, Camden at 4, Chapman at 5, Gilbert jumps up from 7 to 6, Powersville jumps up from 8 to 7, Laura Richland jumps up from 9 to 8, Aina jumps up to 9 to after that loss. Drops all the way down from ten from six all the way down to ten. Also receiving votes Chester, Hanahan, and Strom Thurman. In two A, Abbeville at one with sixteen first place votes. Great Collegiate actually finally gets a first place vote at two with one first place vote. Silver Bluff at three, Marion at four, Barnwell at five. Timberland jumps up from 7 to 6. Luda drops from 6 to 7. Christchurch at 8. Philip Simmons at 9. And St. Joseph's jumps up from not being ranked to 10th. Also receiving votes, Wade Hampton drops down from 10. Andrew Jackson and Shira also receiving votes. In 1A, Southside Christian at 1 with 17 first place votes. Bamberg Earhart at 2. Lamar jumps up from 4 to 3. Baptist still jumps up from 7 to 4. Hannah Pamplinko at 5. Whale Branch at 6. Ridge Spring Manetta drops down from 3 to 7. 
Lakeview and Dixie both tied for eight. J- Dixie jumping up from 10th. Dropping, or excuse me, jumping up from not being ranked to 10th is Denmark Golar. Dropping down from 9 to receiving votes is Great Falls. Also receiving votes, Blackville Hilda, Calhoun County, C.A. Johnson, and Green C. Floyd. Green C. Floyd finally getting in the rankings for the first time this season. Watching notes real quick before we take a break. Adonis Hill, the new Newberry head basketball coach, was a longtime assistant there. So congratulations to him. Billy Sylvester has been named the new Conway baseball coach. Takes over for Anthony Carroll, who is now the AD for Conway. Was the pitching coach at Myrtle Beach and was the head coach at Johnsonville, Darlington, Carolina Academy, and Lawrence Manning. And he played 10 years in the minors. So congratulations to him. Sure, I'll be seeing him around this spring. Dreer named Matt Hornsby as their new head baseball coach. He replaces Stan Manis, Manis, excuse me, who has become the new head coach at Carolina Forest. Hornsby was an assistant at Great Collegiate, uh, taking over at Dreer. Basketball has announced, or the SCHSL has announced that they will play the basketball championship games at USC Aiken again this year. But the SEHSL is also taking a look at North Charleston Coliseum, the new North Charleston Coliseum, as a potential new home following this upcoming season. I And people were saying it on Facebook, on, on some high school groups, and I agree with them. For football and basketball. I've said it when it comes to football with them moving it out of Williams Bryce. And I'll say it with basketball with them moving it out of Colonial Life. First off, I don't think it should be anywhere. Even if you wanted to stick it in a smaller venue, I think it needs to be at Columbia. Because you can't... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? And I know, I, I know that this... This happens in college as well, and in the pros with the Super Bowls and whatnot. Um, I know you can't always pick a completely neutral venue. I mean, whether it's, you know, now, granted, you know, some teams are better at traveling than others, and some fan bases are better at traveling than others. But you know, whether it's the difference between, you know, a a team like Georgia and Alabama and a team like Texas A&M or South Carolina or, you know, Tennessee traveling to Atlanta um, or in an even crazier case, um, in, in an even crazier case, you know, a team like, uh, you know, uh, the difference between, like, a Cian Hall or St. John's playing at MSG for the Big East Tournament and a team like Marquette or Creighton traveling all the way out to New York. You know, of course, in terms of fan bases and whatnot, it's it, it's going to change. It's going to affect things. Um, but, it, but when it comes to football, you know, People aren't going to, you know, 
I mean, some people will, but it's, I, I just feel like it's not going to be as huge of a travel, especially for, you know, football is one thing, but, you know, basketball and, and some of the non-revenue sports, obviously, would make it different. Um, but I, I think it needs to be in Colombia to make it the most balanced for everyone. Now, obviously, even Colombia, you know, you're going to, you know, the if if there's a team from Colombia, they're not going to be able, they're not going to have to travel nearly as far as their opponent. And, you know, like what happened last year with AC Flora and North Merrill Beach. AC Flora was right down the road, whereas North Merrill Beach had to travel three hours. So, you know, of course, it's not always going to be completely fair. Columbia is the best place to have it just for the that overall, you know, no matter where you are in the state, at the longest, it's going to be a few hours drive. But, you know, when you stick it down in, you know, Aiken or Charleston, some of those upstate schools, they're going to have to drive five, six, maybe even seven hours. And that gives the lower state teams uh, a disproportionate advantage. So, I I want them to go back to Colonial Life and Williams Bryce. But even if it even if they don't want to go there, stick it in Columbia where it's keep it in Columbia, like with uh you know with football with Benedict. Um, I mean I guess there aren't really many other you know at least semi-big arenas in the Columbia area that you could stick it into. So, you know, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing the North Charleston Coliseum. Don't get me wrong, you know, but I just feel like it it, it sets up a bad, um, a bad, it, it sets up a bad precedent for the up, upstate schools. Couple of final notes uh, on the high school front. Lucy Beckham, which who was originally just going to play a JV season this year, played a varsity game two weeks ago against Bamberg Earhart, and they actually looked like Pete a little bit. I mean, Bamberg Earhart ended up winning the game, but Lucy Beckham was playing decent at the beginning of that game. So you know, congrats to them to get their first varsity game, and looking forward to see what they can build over there. Uh, Trip said. Unfortunately, had to resign as Carolina Forest AD. Um, I meant to do it last week after the game, but I'll do it right now, and then I'll I'm gonna do it again at on the broadcast tonight. Uh, Trip, hope for the best. Wish you well. Hope you feel better. Um, you had some health issues, and uh, just just relax. Just relax, my man. Uh, and then finally, Eddie Buck, former head coach at El- Aiken and South Aiken, passed away at the age of 79 uh, last week, or earlier this week, actually. Um, so rest in peace to him. I'll take a quick break and then come right back. And we still have some uh we still have some national news to talk about, some some college football stuff, some uh, 
some college stuff, some some other pro stuff, and uh, so, some more uh, good stuff. So be sure to keep it locked right here to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back as we'll switch gears now to some uh, some other sports. As always, if you want to get your thoughts in on anything sports-related, be sure to call on in. 323-784-9681 is that number again. That number again, 323-784-9681. Like I mentioned when we went to, before we went to break, We'll switch over to the uh, college ranks and a couple of small stories before we uh, before small local more local stories uh, before we move on to the the big talking point uh, this week well especially this week after what happened last week uh, first off there's a proposal to expand the women's uh, NCAA tournament to 68 teams. From 64, they're currently at 64. 68 is what the uh, what um, the men's tournament is currently. Technically, I basically consider the first four games essentially uh, essentially playing games anyway. So you know, I don't really count it as expansion so much, but. Hey, if they want to do a first four and do playing games, I'm all for it. Hey, more basketball. And uh, nothing officially announced yet, I don't think, but there is there are reports that Dawn Staley has given a contract at South Carolina, richly deserved. Uh, and then one other final note, on the football field, Will Taylor, uh, originally from Dutch Fork, now at Clemson, he is out for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, so, uh, tough break for him. And, uh, you know, wish him the best of luck in a, in a speedy recovery and all of that good stuff. Before we get to the main talking point, let me just do a quick little uh, week, week seven preview for you guys. Um, and review. Last night, uh, Memphis beat Navy pretty handily. Kind of surprised that they beat them that handily, but also surprised that Georgia Southern lost as badly as they did. But then again, they're kind of in a rebuilding mode, or rebuilding mode. Recently fired their head coach, so you know, definitely in a rebuilding phase at Georgia Southern. 
Tonight, Clemson faces Syracuse, and for the first time in over half a decade, Clemson is going into a game without a number next to their name. It's crazy how how far Clemson has fallen this season. And we'll talk more about the implications of that and another big loss last week in just a second. Um, you know what? Let's get right into that. Because this week, this week I think is the make or, ba- make or break week for one team in particular when it comes to the college football playoffs. And that is one Cincinnati. Uh, and I think the coaches poll as well, if I remember correctly. Let me let me check on that real quick. Um, but I know the AP poll got it right. I believe the coaches poll got it right as well. They. They didn't put them as high as the AP poll did, put them at four. But still, both po- both polls got it right and put Cincinnati in position to make the college football playoff, which would be the first time in history the group of five team made into the playoff or any, you know, or, you know, the BCS National Championship back in the day. Um, they they got it right. They they got it right. And now, as long as Cincinnati wins, they ha- they determine their their own destiny. In my opinion, now, obviously there could be some shenanigans depending upon what happens. We're still you know only halfway through the season. Well, a little past halfway through the season at this point. As long as Cincinnati continues winning, if they stay undefeated, I don't see why they shouldn't be in the college football playoff. And and they may get beat in the first round. Who knows? But this is the point. Give them the opportunity. If they're undefeated, if they look like one of the best teams in the country, then you that opportunity about strength of schedule or anything like that. Strength of schedule. I said this on Twitter. I said after they after Alabama lost, which is that was the impetus that allowed this to happen. Um because it it left the door open. And and here's the thing. Let's look at the records of the teams that are currently Let's look at the teams that are currently undefeated that are in the, you know, top 15 or whatnot. You know, Georgia, obviously, Iowa, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Michigan, Michigan State, Kentucky, Oklahoma State, uh, Coastal, Wake Forest, and those are all SMU and South Dakota State, San Diego State. Um... So those are the teams that are still undefeated in the top 25. So, and unless unless Cincinnati loses or or someone makes a huge run, but in order for some of those teams to make a run that aren't in the top five or top four, 
they would have to beat one of those other undefeated teams. And and this is the argument that people make for why a group of five doesn't deserve to be in, is that they have an easier road. Okay, so what? So should they not be given the opportunity to prove themselves, even if they don't have to face any... Which isn't true anyway. They still have to face SMU. Um... And I want to say they have to face. No, they don't have to face any other uh, undefeated teams, or at least not that I can see. Um, but you still have to give them the opportunity, and this is why the playoffs need to be expanded, is so that every team has a legitimate path. They, every team at the beginning of the season should know what they need to do in order to make it into the playoffs. Instead of going into a season, over half the teams going into a season saying, you know, we we probably won't, you know, we don't really have a path. And the best we're looking for is a bowl game. That's just not the way sports are meant to be. And strength of the schedule is the biggest joke. It, it's the biggest con game that has been made, you know, it, people are being conned by it as that that's the way that the haves keep the have-nots from continuing to have. But, and this year, if things continue the way they are, and obviously we still have a lot of football to get through, but as long as they continue playing the way they are. As long as everyone continues playing the way they have been, this could very well be a big watershed season when it comes to the college football playoffs. And with the talk of expansion, you know, kind of simmering down a little bit, I'm going to be very interested to see if this does happen especially if one of them are able to win a game, how this impacts expansion talk moving forward. Because look at it. There are two, two, two teams currently that are not traditional powerhouses, are not name brands, that if the season were to end today, they'd be in the college football playoffs. That's Cincinnati and Iowa. And I would love to see that continue. I would absolutely love to see that continue. You know what what, you know what I would love even more? And, and and this happened this week. This could be a huge, huge, huge I mean, imagine if this happened. You know, the the Texas A and M beating Alabama last week was one thing. You know, Texas A and M has been good in years past. But there's another team in the SEC that has always been considered a basketball school. It has never really been I mean, yes in the past, in the you know, in the fifties and whatnot. In the fifties and sixties they were good. But in recent memory, they've always been a basketball school. 
But Kentucky has the opportunity this week, this weekend, potentially knock off the number one team in the nation in Georgia. Now, it's at Sanford, and it's going to be a very long hill to climb. But could you imagine if Kentucky is able to beat Georgia? What that would do to the playoff picture? Because then all bets are off. I mean, could you imagine? I don't think they would. I don't think they would jump that high. And uh, I mean, obviously, if they stayed undefeated and they, you know, went the rest of the way undefeated, you you would have you couldn't not put them in. Could you imagine a college football playoff? And I would love this personally. Some people would hate it, I'm sure. But personally, I would love to see this. Could you imagine a college football playoff that consisted of Kentucky, Iowa, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma? The only blue blood in that grouping is Oklahoma. I would love to see it. This would be the first college football playoff that I would be watching, you know, you know be focused on because of the intrigue of these teams that aren't supposed to be there. And that's why I want expansion, because you don't get that. This is the only year, and just by sheer luck, that Clemson is having a down year because they lost both Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. You know, just just because Clemson is having a down year, and just by sheer luck that Texas A&M was able to beat Alabama, and you know, Ohio State happens to lose. Pure luck. And, of course, the season's far from over. Things could change. But just by sheer luck, you're looking at the potential of a non-traditional college football playoff this year. I mean, for so many years, you'd go into the, you know, I mean, even this year. I don't think every, anyone was expecting this. But you'd never see it, really. And obviously, think there's a lot of football left to be played. One, one loss by either Iowa or Cincinnati, and we're right back. You know, we're probably right back to square one, even with the other undefeated teams in the country. Um, but, but I would love to see a non-traditional college football playoff this year. And it would be a great way. And, and I'm, I'm curious. I'm actually curious about how this would work. Because I feel like it could go in one of two ways. It does end up happening. And we get the non-traditional college football playoff. I feel like it goes in one of two ways. Either A... The rating, and I think it all depends upon ratings. Either A, the ratings go up. They, they're all starts, and, you know, it shows that people were getting tired 
with the same old, same old. You know, more people watch, more engagement, all of that. And then if that happens, ramps up immediately. They're looking to make that money. Or if the ratings flop, then I could see some of the powers that be trying to push back against the college football playoffs because they don't want to lose their power. They're going to figure out a a way to rig the system again, even further. Like, you know, it reminds me a lot of when BYU won the national championship back in the early 90s. After that happened, that's when the talk of the BCS because they wanted to avoid that potential. So, do I do I think uh, you know, do I think it'll happen? I'm definitely hopeful. I'm I'm very hopeful. I'm very optimistic right now that we could see a non-traditional college football playoff this year. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I'm still thinking there could be a way that it gets screwed over. And that starts off with this week. Um, let me let me go through some of the through some of the matchups this week and give you my thoughts. UCF and Cincinnati. This is probably the biggest test. Uh, obviously, other than Notre Dame, but you know, this is going to be the last big test for Cincinnati, and then it's pretty much clear sailing from there. If they can be UCF, I think they're in the clear pretty much for the rest of the way, and I think they will. I think they will. Texas and Oklahoma State. That should be an interesting one. Uh, after Texas lost the Red River rivalry last week. Um, now facing off against Oklahoma State. I think I'm going to have to go with Oklahoma State here. Uh, Michigan State and Indiana, I think Michigan State wins that one. Texas A&M and Missouri, I think Texas A&M continues their winning ways. Florida at LSU, I think Florida wins that one. And then who knows what happens with Ed Orgeron. Auburn and Arkansas, I think Auburn wins that one. Duke and Virginia, I think Virginia wins that one. Uh, Let me look at Purdue and Iowa. Iowa, I think they win that one. Miami and North Carolina. What's crazy about this game is that this is a game that a lot of people were thinking was going to determine uh, who won the Coastal Division. And at this point, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. UNC and Miami are down near the bottom of the Coastal Division. You know, everyone had this one. The ACC is so crazy this year. You know, the teams that you thought were going to be good aren't very good this year. And the teams that no one gave a chance to are playing pretty well this year. 
This is a game that a lot of people had marked on the calendar from the beginning of the year saying this is going to be the, the game that's going to determine the, that is going to determine the coastal division. Now it's not. Now it's just another game. I do think UNC wins it, especially with them being at home. But it's still it, it's crazy to think about. Kentucky and Georgia, while I would love, love, love to see Kentucky pull off the upset, I'm going to go with Georgia in that one. Uh, BYU and Baylor, a future Big Big 12 matchup. Uh, I think Baylor wins that one. Uh, Vanderbilt and South Carolina, I think uh, South Carolina is able to win that one. Uh, Alabama and Mississippi State, Alabama is going to rebound and they're going to be out for revenge. They're going to dominate Mississippi State. Uh, Ole Miss and Tennessee. This being at Rocky Top, I think it's going to be a close game. I do think Ole Miss pulls out pulls out the win, but this is going to be that's going to be a close one. Uh, and then yeah, that's just about. Those are all of the big games uh, this week uh, in college football, but. Yeah, so there are the there are my thoughts uh for this week's games. Um you know, should be another fun weekend. Uh so I'll take a quick break and come right back. Got some final stuff to talk about, got some previews of two seasons that are about to start up, uh and some other big news uh to talk about. When we return right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Hey, yo. You ready? Let's do it. Still turn to flames. You 
got the wire. If not, I ain't saying no name. You soon expire. No pain. I feel remorseless. I'm cautious. Me and Diddy are first racing horses with the big twin valve exhausted. On the cover of your vibe, double like sounds and sauce. Come here. Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. And we'll switch gears over to two sports that are just getting underway. Um, first, before we um, before we go into the other one, um, start off with the NBA. Um, and the, the Ben Simmons saga over the last couple of weeks been absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, they they first, you know, it seemed like uh, at first he wasn't going to join the team. Um, you know, first it seemed like he wasn't going to join the team and his agent, you know, informed the Sixers of Simmons' intent to be traded back in June after the team was eliminated from the playoffs. It, you know, it it didn't seem like, uh, you know, it didn't seem like there was going to be anywhere that they could go to to fix this problem. Um, you know, multiple teams were calling saying they were interested. The the Sixers weren't paying him at all to try to entice him to rejoin the team, and it seems to have worked. Because now he's back in Philly, you know, back with with the 76ers. Uh, and, you know, it seems like, at least for now, things are patched up enough where, you know, he's, he's back in Philly and, uh, and, and he's not, you know, he's not going anywhere. At least for now. We'll have to wait and see how things go over the next couple of weeks or, you know, 
as the season progresses. But it, it's been a crazy ride, and it seems like Daniel Daryl Morey's gamble paid off, and Simmons is going to stick around, at least for now. Uh, the other crazy story or the other crazy um, situation uh, that has been going on over the past couple of weeks, and now it finally seems to have a resolution, is the whole Kyrie Irving situation with him not getting vaccinated and the rules in New York and all of that. And earlier this week, the Nets essentially said, you know, they essentially released it. They essentially said, you know, if if he's not going to get the vaccine and thus he's not going to be a full participant of, you know, he is not a part of this team until he is a full participant of the team. So I don't know how this works in terms of salary cap and, and all of that because I don't know if they're paying. I'm assuming they're not paying him right now. Um but yeah, I mean, kudos for the Nets. Let me give kudos to the Nets first for sticking to their guns and basically saying, "Okay, you don't want to, you don't want to be a part of this team, then then we don't need you." Because this, if you had a weaker owner and a weaker general manager, this could have easily gone in a complete completely different direction because they could have easily like you know i mean i don't think i don't think the, the mayor would have done anything but you know if you had a weaker owner you might try to do something to get some sort of uh waiver or something for them so that irving could join the team again but no, instead they stuck to their guns. They said, okay, because here's the thing. Here's the thing, too, about this whole situation. If this were the only scenario, if this was the only time that this had happened, it would be one thing. And then maybe you try to figure out a way around it. But this isn't the first time that Irving has left the nets out hanging out to dry. Last year, he took a few a few weeks off for personal reasons to do whatever, um, you know, to do his social activism stuff. Um, you know, he, yes, he loves basketball, but he, he doesn't need it in ways other players do. Uh, he can easily walk away from it and it doesn't bother him. And he has multiple times. Um, so this is, I, I, I applaud the Nets for sticking to their guns saying, okay, if you don't want to be a part of the team, because that's the thing, that's the other thing about this whole, you know, the, the vaccine thing too, that people don't seem to understand. And I, most sports people, I think, understand this. Is that that's the that's the thing about this level you may not necessarily want it. I mean, me myself, you know, on a personal level, because of 
some issues I had as a kid. I was, you know, not for, not for, you know, the conspiracy reasons and, and for the reasons that you hear about. Mine was very simple that, you know, I do not like needles at all. I, I avoid them at all costs. But I knew that I needed to get this because, you know, so that we could get and so that I could protect myself and, and the people I care about. So, you know, while I didn't want to do it, I knew I had to. So, and that's the key difference here. Most people in, you know, in a sports scenario understand that, you know, it's the team above yourself. It's we, not me. But in Kyrie's case, it seems to be me over we. And that's and and that's why the Nets because here's the other thing too, the Nets weren't gonna try to trade him because who was gonna take him, you know. And and they made the right choice too for this reason, even if you know, even if you really do want Kyrie on the team and everything, and you even if you said okay, you just play on away games and whatnot. First off, he can't even practice with the team. And secondly, why would you pay that much money for a player that you're only going to be playing, you're only going to have for half of the time, half of the season? And on top of that, once playoffs comes around, what if you have the team that you know, are, are going to be good even without him? They're going to be one of the best teams in the East. So they're going to have home field, home court advantage for the majority of the playoffs, if not all of it. And so why would you have a player that, if there's a crucial, pivotal game seven at home, he can't play. So why worry about the headache? It just makes sense as to why they got rid of him. I'm, I'm very, I mean, I'm not. I'm not surprised considering some of his other beliefs. <laughs> Flat Earth. Um, but I'm very disappointed in Kyrie. I'm not surprised, just disappointed. And I'm very happy that the Nets did what they did moving on and saying, okay, you don't want to be a part of this team. You don't want to play your, you don't want to do your part. We don't need you. And, it may hurt the Nets a little bit to start off the season, but I don't think it hurts them. I don't think it's going to make or break them. Let's put it that way. I don't think it make or, makes or breaks them. Um, do I think they still win the East completely? Probably not at this point. But then again, here's the thing. The Nets could – now, they're not going to get someone quite to Kyrie's level. But they could go out and get another you know, shooting guard that at least could be comparable, that could at least help the, the big two now in Durant and Harden um, be you – know, you know, get a very, very good role player. I don't know who. I don't know who potentially could be on the trading block. 
but especially as a, you know later on in the season as the trade deadline comes closer, you could see that happening. Um, but yeah, I think Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee are the teams to beat in the East. Obviously, I think Milwaukee, unless the Nets get someone uh, to fill that void, or if Harden and Durant just click like crazy. I think the Bucks are the team to beat in the East right now. Both in both in the regular season and in the playoffs. I think. Because they're the most stable out of the three. You know, Philly still has the issue of Ben Simmons and uh and the getting away from it. You know, um, and then in the West, I think it's pretty much still the Lakers to lose. Um, I mean, they struggled last year, um, at least relatively speaking. Um, threat, I think Dallas could potentially be a threat. But those are the main three teams in the West that I'm looking at. Lakers, Dallas, and Golden State. Um, and I think I think it's going to be Lakers and Bucks in in the finals this year. That that's just my thought on you know where 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 these teams go. Um, before I go to something else, um, speaking of the whole Kyrie and Ben Simmons situation, there's a report on Bleacher Report this morning. Uh, or excuse me, it was posted last night actually, saying that um, there there's talks that um, you know the situation with both Kyrie and Ben Simmons could lead to some rule changes in the next uh, collective bargaining agreement uh, talk. There. They didn't think that there was going to be a COVID-19 vaccine mandate uh, due to the union. Um, you know, they, you know, the, uh, you know, the uh, man- management ownership is getting frustrated at, uh, you know, the double standard for players like Irving, uh, you know, while uh you know because the league the league does not require players to be vaccinated but the league does require uh you know basketball operate you know basically everyone else um basically everyone else to be vaccinated around the league outside of the and maybe the coaches so there the that could um you know be something during the next round of collective bargaining agreement negotiations uh you know that that now it may uh it it will uh you know do something um the interesting thing I, I'm very interested to see what, what Kyrie does in terms of whether he just says he's retiring, if he just kinda, you know, 
sees if this blows over or or what he does. Um, But next year, um, there um, apparently, according to this report, this could be a uh, a an interesting year next year. Not not a, not this year. The the contract um, there is an opt out date. December 2022. Um, this uh, changed some things in the next collective bargaining agreement, um, and and that the vaccine mandate, and then also the the super max contracts, which um, you know executive thinks there was there's been failures um when it comes to uh you know the the fact that they can do these supermax contracts um because of trade requests um you know tra- like a lot of players have asked for trade requests signing these supermax contracts and as a result it it's just made um it it's made owners be wary of them and and may want to try to change it so i think the mandate thing probably should be pretty simple although you know who knows if the players association is going to want something for it um but the supermax one that may be a contention that we may have to watch and see how this impacts the collective bargaining agreement negotiations going into next year. Because while I don't think it will get quite as bad as it was in 2011, you could potentially see another lockout. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Um but that's the, those are my thoughts on uh on that story. That it, it's an interesting story. It's a, it's an interesting story um you know and, and and yeah, the you know, the vaccine mandates um and you know a lot of different things going on in the NBA off the court that is really overshadowing the the upcoming season, and it's it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that how that impacts the beginning of the season in terms of uh, you know in terms of you know what. Uh, how players interact with it. Um, you know, the season starts on Tuesday. So, you know, it, it, it should be a fun season. It still should be a good season. But, you know, it's 
it's going to be something that, you know, is going to be have to be looked at and and seen how how this all plays out. Um personally, I I hope Kyrie gets some proper information. If he does get some proper information fed to him sooner rather than later and he does get the vaccine and he's able to rejoin the Nets, but I highly doubt it. I have a feeling that at some point in the near future, whether it's in a couple of weeks or a month or maybe two months or something, we will get an official announcement from Kyrie saying that he's retiring. That's that's my prediction when it comes to that. In terms of the Ben Simmons situation, I think it all depends upon how this year goes, both in terms of overall play and just his his feelings towards uh towards the the seventy sixers. Because if they start if they play well and he feels like he's, you know, being a better fit and all of that, then I could see him sticking around. But if things come off the rails early on in the season, I could see him going right back to asking for a trade. And then who knows what'll happen then. You know, that's that's the the craziness there. So I I don't know. I don't know. Um finally the fi- our final uh talking point of the morning is the start of the NHL season. And uh first first we're going to talk about I'll give you my predictions and and whatnot and then uh and then talk about the the opening night and and the experience um because yeah, um goosebumps. That's that's all I got to say about that. Um, but let let's start off with uh, start off with um, talking about the the NHL season and and get some predictions out there uh, for for each each division and each conference uh, in the Atlantic Division. While I would say that Tampa Bay. You know, they're trying to go for the three-peat. They should be the team to beat so far with how they've started off this season. I mean, obviously, it's early. They've only played two games. They still have 80 left. But with the way they've played thus far this season, I'd be a little worried down in Tampa Bay. I'd be a little worried of, is this team not what it was the last couple of years? Do I think they'll bounce back and and start winning games? Yeah, I would I would have to say so. Um, but at the same time, you know, they they really need to get their acting gear uh at this point. Um, but first off, let me just say it's so nice. Although it was kind of interesting. I will say it was interesting to see all the Canadian teams in one in one division. But obviously there was a reason for that. 
But it's nice to have the regular divisions and conferences back again this year. And there's and, and there's something else that's nice to have back, but we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. A little teaser for you guys how I'm gonna finish off the show tonight. There's a reason why I'm talking about the NHL to finish off the show tonight. But yeah. Atlantic Division, I think it probably is Tampa Bay still to lose. But I could see Buffalo potentially making a run. They played very well last night in their first game. Um I could see Detroit doing well they they played well last night uh even though they uh they lost to tampa bay in overtime um or actually i take that back i forget who they played last night they see who who did they play last night Yes, they did play Tampa Bay last night. Yeah, that was that was a crazy game, seven to six. Uh, Troy was losing, was winning the majority of that game, but then Tampa Bay came roaring back, uh, and and tied it towards the end, and then won it in overtime. That now that is a a good sign for Tampa Bay. The way they won that game uh, does give me some hope. For, for the Lightning moving forward. But still, the fact that they had to go into overtime and the fact that they fell so far behind, it was like 5-1 to one at, at a point. Um, so they've got some work to do, but I think they can, they, they can bounce back. Uh, Metropolitan Division, I think it's probably Pittsburgh's to lose this year, although Washington is going to be good as well. Uh, you know, the the New York teams I could see, you know, building upon something, but it, those um those the Metropolitan should be interesting, but I think it's either Pittsburgh or Washington. Those two are the the teams to beat in the Western Conference. Uh, the Central Division, I think. This is a tough one to determine. Um, I think Chicago's going to be good. I think Colorado's going to be good. I think Dallas is going to be good. I think Minnesota's going to be good. I think those are the four teams to watch out for. Those are going to be the top four teams. Not sure what order they're going to be in, but those are going to be the top four teams. And then in the Pacific, uh, I think you know Vegas is the team to beat. Definitely. Vegas is definitely the team to beat. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm very – the team that's most intriguing to me, I think, out of any team, especially considering ha- what happened the last time we had an expansion team in the NHL. Oh, FYI, they won the Stanley Cup. That, that's re- beyond ridiculous, and that, that was the Golden Knights. But I'm curious to see how the Kraken play. I'm curious to see if they can maybe not win the Stanley Cup in their first year, but at least make it into at least make it into the playoffs, and maybe make a run in the playoffs. 
I'd be very interested to see if the Kraken can can have that sort of success in their first year as well. But I think the Golden Knights are going to be a team to beat. Kings are going to be good. Sharks are going to be good. And I think the Kraken could at least not really surprise people, but, you know, show what they're made of this season. So those are my thoughts on the hockey season uh, this year. And my final thought before I sign off, and I'm going to sign off in a special way tonight. Care if you're a hockey fan or not. I don't care if you've never watched the sport. Go on YouTube. Go look up NHL on ESPN theme, you know, and it'll show up. You know, the 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 little. I don't, I don't even know what exactly to call it. I wouldn't call it a documentary, but the little video that they did. Unfortunately, it has Justin Bieber uh, narrating it. But the little do- the little video they did on the theme, the the the, do- the on the theme and the uh, the composer and what it means to everyone, chills, absolute chills. Uh, and it's one of the best themes in sports history. That, along with Round Ball Rock, the NBA on NBC theme, is the theme to the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, And so it is, you know, without a doubt, one of the best of all time. And I'm going to play it right here. 